Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Amen. How many of you are going to take it back this year? Praise God. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of just letting things go. I'm tired of letting things slack. I'm tired of just saying, you know what, next, next week, next Monday, or making excuses. I'm purposing to take back my life this year. I'm going to take back my joy, take back my smile, take back my physical health, my spiritual health. I'm taking back my family. Praise God. I'm taking back my money. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to just let it go by the wayside. I'm believing God for increase in every area of my life. How about you? You purposing to take it back this year? I tell you, it's going to be a good year. Obviously, we're just into the, well, just getting in really into the second quarter of the year. But praise God, it's going to be awesome. And uh, I just believe that it's going to continue to grow and build upon just what we're doing and seeing that God's doing some tremendous things. Amen. So we're starting a brand new series this morning called Taking It Back. And I'm excited for what this really is going to set us up for. And as we get into this this morning, really, uh, there's some things that we're going to dive into. But obviously, we need to set a platform or set a foundation for the things that are to come and put things in perspective. Because if you don't see things correctly, if you don't see where you need to go, obviously, you can get off base. And so we're going to set the foundation for where we're going this morning so that it will build upon week after week and get us into a good place of knowing and learning how to take it back. Amen. And so this morning as we get into this, I want to look at a particular individual. His name is Peter. He was a disciple of Jesus. He later became an apostle. He was a follower of Christ. But there's something that we know about Peter. Peter was a a fisherman, right? And if you've ever read any, anything after Paul, or excuse me, after Peter, you'll, you'll recognize that Peter kind of had a colorful personality. You know, he wasn't one to walk with God. He was just out there in the, in the boats and in the, doing the nets and the stinky fish. He was just your man's man, blue collar kind of guy, kind of rough around the edges. The Bible says he must have had a kind of a temper or an attitude. He probably was that guy that was getting into scuffles because of his mouth. Come on. Anybody relate to Peter yet? <laughs> and I'm telling you what, Peter was a lot like you and I. And as we get into this, I believe that we'll find ourselves relating to Peter more and more. But Peter was a man that was used by God in a great way. And we see here in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 2, he's writing a letter to the church. And he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everybody say all things that pertain to life and godliness. He said he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who calls us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That, that through these, through these what? Through these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
So Peter's making some very strong statements here. He says, listen. He says, I want you to experience all that life has to give you, godliness. I want you to experience this goodness and be partakers of the divine nature. In fact, if I can read it to you this way, as you begin to break down that, that scripture, and if you've ever done some word study in a scripture, it begins to illuminate and open some things up for you in regards to what the writer is saying, really what God is wanting to say to us. But it says this in regards to what Paul was saying. He says, to this exceeding great and precious promise. Really, that word great means the greatest. He says, there are promises that they're not just great. They're the greatest promises that you could ever begin to experience. And he says, they are to be esteemed. They are to be honored. They're so precious and valuable. But then he goes on to say this. He says, concerning those promises, God has made a self-commitment to you and me to see that those promises are able to be achieved through you and me. He says, I desire for you to understand this. I desire that you begin to understand the promises of God. Well, what are those promises? Well, we again see that up and above. It says those promises are all things that pertain to this life and godliness. So what he's saying there, he says life that is real and genuine, life that is active and vigorous, a life that is devoted towards God, one that is blessed and one that stands out from the world. Come on. He says, I want you to know this life. That is active and vigorous and genuine. A life that is devoted towards God. But I've got to ask you a question. When it comes to the church of today. When it comes to our lives. Can we really say that man our lives are active and vigorous. And completely devoted to God. And we live this life that is blessed. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we would say, man, I don't necessarily know that the church looks like that today. But he's writing that to the church. And so it begs the question, why are we not necessarily experiencing or seeing that? And he gives us a clue. He says right at the very beginning, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. So in other words, these promises are multiplied to you and to me the more you know. So therefore, lack of knowledge has been hindering us from receiving this life that God desires for us. Come on, we're talking about taking it back. You see, there's a life that Jesus came to give. But unfortunately, we've lacked the understanding of knowing what's been available to us. And the enemy has come and robbed from us all those things that Jesus said belongs to us and has kept us in the dark, has kept us ignorant, has kept us being selfish or has really aided in us being selfish and living a life of self-consumption. It's all about me. Amen? And so we're going to look at Peter and his life, because as I said, he is so much like you and I, and we can relate ourselves to him and identifying where we're at and where he was, but where he ended up and what he became. Because you see, he learned how to take it back. I said he learned how to take it back. But before we get into the story of Peter, I want us just to take an examination of just our culture, of our country, 
of our church. And when I say our church, I'm talking about the church as a whole. If you're not aware of it, this country is the greatest country on the planet. And the reason that it is a country so great and has had such success and has had such influence is because this country was built and based upon Christian values. I've heard preachers say this, say, our, Christian, or our nation isn't a Christian nation. Sorry to disappoint you. I beg to differ. That's the whole reason that our country is where it is today. It is one of the most, uh, one of the youngest nations in the world, but it is the most prosperous. Why? Because we chose to put God first. But have you noticed that over the decades, there has been a lack of knowledge or understanding or recognition of Jesus being Lord? Gradually, little by little, decade after decade, we have withdrawn as a people from knowing God and putting God as a priority in the culture of our affairs of life, right? And little by little, our nation, our culture has become extremely liberal, right? I don't want to offend anybody right now. I'm not getting on a political soapbox, but as a nation, we have become extremely liberal in self-seeking, haven't we? Let me just share a couple of things with you that you might be able to relate to. In regards to our culture, there is no black or white. Everything seems to be gray. If you were a boy, but you decided you wanted to be a girl, no problem. If you were a girl and you decided, I want to be a boy, hey, no areas of black or white. It's all relative. It's gray, right? I heard one parent say, or one couple, that they had a child, and they were asked, what did you have? They said, well, we're not going to say. We're not going to assign it a gender. We're going to wait until they get old enough to decide what they want to be. See, our culture has become extremely liberal. We make no, mo- no distinctions of right or wrong. It's subjective. There is no consequence of our actions. In fact, maybe you've heard this in, this, in the news just as of late. It was a few years back, but remember the one boy that was, uh, uh, got into an accident and drunk driving? I think he was 15 years of age. I think he got in an accident and actually killed somebody. But when they went to court... The parents hired an attorney and they argued that because of his affluence, he wasn't taught right from wrong and therefore he didn't know better. And he got off because his parents were affluent and they didn't teach him right or wrong. Come on, I'm telling you, we live in a culture that is extremely liberal and straying away from structure and boundaries within life. There are no moral boundaries Just do whatever feels good. There are no winners. There's no losers. Everybody gets to show up and gets to receive the trophy. All she got to do is participate. We've got this culture that wants to be a socialistic culture that says everyone gets the same. It doesn't matter whether you work extremely hard or whether you don't work at all. Let's just meet in the middle. There's this idea that I'm not responsible for myself. Someone else needs to pay my way. Somebody else needs to put food on my table. Somebody else needs to give me health care. You owe me. Right? And now I'm not getting on a soapbox, but isn't that the culture that we live in? 
that it has become extremely liberal. And in that liberal thinking, it's all about you owe me. It is about me. Right? Well, little by little, as our country has begun to shift, we have begun to see this shift take place within the church. The church as a whole, in the last decade especially, has become extremely liberal in its thinking. Let me just draw some parallels. In regards to the church, we don't want to talk about sin or repentance because obviously we don't want to offend anybody. We're fearful to say that Jesus is the only way to God and we're afraid to say, well, if you don't know Jesus, you just might go to hell. We dance around the subject that Jesus didn't come to teach us how to be nice people, but he taught us to be holy. And when we talk about holiness, back in the day we talked about sanctification, which means we separate ourselves, which causes us to look different than the world. We don't act and look and become like them. We separate ourselves. We have taken out this mentality of of free love, which means if we love everybody, we just leave them the way that they are because obviously we've got grace. And grace says, you know what, you can just be equal. There is no right or wrong. God just loves you. We look at that subject of grace and we allow it to be defined through the moral relativism of our nation and our culture. And we say rather than setting a standard to say this is what it means to live a life with God, we've allowed government to legislate the boundaries of morality in life. Even to the point where the church has been fearful to say certain things within the church for Fear of punishment. People talk like Jesus was a socialist. He just wants everybody to be fed. No, he fed the multitude. But the Bible says if a man don't don't work, he don't eat. In our modern church, there is no distinction between Christian and non-Christian. The only difference is those that call themselves Christians occasionally attend church. (laughs) You're doing all right this morning. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about us, and I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about all the other churches in the area, right? (laughs) Come on, am I hitting this on the head? Where the church has slipped into this consumer mentality that it's all about me. Make me feel good. Don't challenge me. Don't stretch me. Just let me be comfortable where I'm at. When it comes to the church of today, the church church has gotten used to the idea that something needs to be done and someone will do it as long as that someone isn't me. (laughs) Right? Amen. And this is the place that the church has slipped into, into becoming a liberal church where there is no distinction, there is no boundaries, there are no standards And therefore, it's not about taking back from the enemy what he's stolen from us. We've just said, no, just give me, give me, give me. How many of you know that God's not just going to give you, give you, give you? He says, if you're going to get, use faith. If you want me to move, trust me. If you want to know my voice, seek it. If you want to know my face, come before me, right? 
If you want to know who I am, get amongst my body because I'm in the midst of them. Now, I said that we're looking at Peter to find out how he was and who he became. And as I said, he's much like us because there was a turning point in his life that caused him to write Second Peter that said, listen, I want you to know that there is a promise of life and godliness, a life that can be uh, accessed through this relationship with Christ, one that is full of, uh, of vigor, one that is active, one that has the blessing of God on it. He said, but you've got to know. And the more you know, the more that it's multiplied. And he says, there is a distinction that as you step into this place, when you begin to experience this, when the promises of God start acti- be actively working in your life, you're going to notice that there is a difference between you and the world. There's a natural separation because it's a heart thing. Amen? So let's look at Peter. Because here's one of the things that I know. That God is stirring in our hearts. If you've been coming to this church, I know that God has been stirring in your hearts to say, I just want more of God. Listen, I realize that there's distractions of life. I know that there's those times that throughout the day you're thinking, man, I can't wait for church tonight. It's midweek service. It's Wednesday night. Oh, it's going to be so good. And as the day progresses, you think, man, I don't feel good. I feel tired. Maybe I'll catch next month. I realize how all those things happen. That's just life. I get it. But I also know that God is stirring in our hearts. And God is saying, I want to draw you closer. And I know that because you're here, because you consistently and faithfully come, you're saying, I want more from God. And here's what God said. He said that this year in 2018 is going to be a year of power. He's going to be moving in the midst of our lives. So be looking for it. Be expecting it. And he also said, he told me this year, he's never told me this before, but one of the, one of the missions or the purposes of this church in this county is to break the back of lack. I'll say that again. One of the things that I know God has put a mandate on this church is to break the back of lack. This county, this nation, how many of you know that Flint is 50% lower economically than every other city in the nation. The average income for the average city in our nation is around $45,000. The residents of Flint, $23,000. we are called here to break the back of lack. He's called us here to be a change agent, to change the landscape of our community. Amen. So let's look at Peter. As we begin to look at Peter, we know that he was a fisherman. And one day as he's fishing, the Bible says that there's this man that comes walking along the shore and says, hey, he says, let's go back out. And Peter says, well, we just got done fishing, but I recognize that you're that preacher. I've been seeing you around and, and hearing people talk about you. And so since you asked me, he says, all right, we'll, we'll go out and we'll go fishing. And he says, well, let's throw out some nets. And so Peter pacified him. He said, well, we'll just throw out a net. And in the midst of throwing out that net, the Bible says that the net began to overflow and became so much so that the nets began to break. 
And they called their friends, hey, come and help us, man. There's so much fish here. You need to come out here. And as they got out there, their nets started breaking. And they started filling the boats. And the boats started sinking. His first experience with Jesus was net breaking, boat sinking, fishing. Some of you guys are thinking, yeah, buddy, that's the kind of fishing I'm talking about. <laughs> and then when they get to the shore, Jesus says this to Peter. Now listen, Peter is a, a redneck. He's a rough dude. He's just out there with the fish stinking. You know, they didn't have, they didn't have right guard back then. Whew, he's ripe, dude. Come on. And Jesus says, come follow me. And you know Peter says, listen, you got it, buddy. If this is the kind of fishing we can have with you, man, you're our lucky charm, man. We're going to get rich in the fishing business. And Jesus says, no, listen, what I'm talking about, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Now, he didn't know what that meant, but he decided to follow Jesus because of that first experience. Then as he continues to walk with Jesus, he begins to see the miracles. He begins to see the blind eyes open, the deaf ears uh, opened up. He sees the lame people walk. He even began to see dead people raised from the dead. I mean, think about what's going through his mind as he begins to develop this relationship with Jesus. And then the Bible says that there were 12 that were his close disciples but in the midst of those 12 there were three that were his closest companions it was James John and Peter when he would go off to pray by himself he says come on Peter I want you to go with me I need you with me this is a man that was close to Jesus and then one night came they're sitting around and they're breaking bread together. And it was the last supper before Jesus would be betrayed. And as they're sitting there, he says, one of you is going to betray me. And he says, the one that dips his bread next is going to be the one. And obviously, you know the story. Judas dipped and he ended up leaving. Can you imagine the other 11? Peter being in the midst of them thinking, God. Jesus, he's been with us for the last three years. We would never expect Judas. I can't, I can't believe this. And they're talking amongst themselves like, man, I can't believe Judas would do this. Jesus said he's going to betray him. And then Jesus says to all of them, he says, guys, listen, he says, all of you are going to stumble. And Peter says, oh, no, no, Jesus, I won't do that. And Jesus says a second time, he says, all of you are going to stumble. And Peter says again, no, I won't do what Judas did. Jesus, we're close, we're tight, man, we're buds. I would never stumble on your, on your, 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 for your sake. And a third time, Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times Peter, a third time, says, Jesus, I will not deny you. Even if it costs me my life, I won't. And you know that he's sincere about it. And later that night, Jesus goes into the garden and he says, fellows, he says, James, John, Peter, I need you to come with me. And so they're in the garden praying. And lo and behold, here comes Judas with all the soldiers. And Peter with his bold, brash self, he stands out there and says, what do you guys want? Where's Jesus? Jesus says, I'm him. They come to get him. He takes out a sword and cuts off one of the soldier's ears. 
I mean, that's the kind of guy that he is. And Jesus says, now settle down, settle down, Peter. Just, just step back. He grabs the ear and he puts it back on the man's ear or in his head. Come on, this is the experience that Peter is having with Jesus. And then once they took him, the Bible says that all of them scattered. So fear started to rise up in his heart. And then as they've been scattered, the Bible tells us that Peter was out in the marketplace and a young lady says to him, you're, you're one of those, those that follow Jesus. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. And he kind of shuffles off and gets somewhere else. And later on, somebody else says, another woman says, hey, you're, you're one of those followers of Jesus, the one that, they, that they've been talking about. You were fo-. He says, I don't know the man. And he leaves. And a third time, another one comes and says, hey, you're one of them. You were with Jesus. And the Bible says that he cursed. I don't know the blanket man. Leave me the blank alone. And he runs off and hides and in the midst of him cursing and denying Jesus the third time, the rooster crows. Think about the turmoil in his heart. Think about the frustration. In the midst of what was going on and taking place after he denied Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 21 that Jesus wasn't in the tomb anymore. They didn't know where he went. They just knew that he was gone. And the Bible says that Peter went back to fishing. Well, I guess Jesus made a real lasting impression on him, didn't he? Because he was taken out of the old life and brought into this new life with Jesus. I mean, he was having the time of his life. He was seeing miracles. He was part of the inner circle. I mean, he was getting quite popular himself because Jesus says, now you go pray for people and you'll see things happen because you've prayed for them. But now he chose to go back to the old life, to go back to fishing. How many of us have said, God, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to go back to that. God, I'm not going to be that same way I was. I came out of that. And yet you find yourself doing that again. Can anybody relate to that? See, I said you're more like Peter than you realized. And the Bible says that he's out there fishing. Got his shirt off, man. I mean, just think. They're sweating. He's hot. Still, no right guard. (laughs) Man, but as they're out there fishing, there's this man that walks up along the water. Says, hey guys, why don't you throw your net on the other side? And just that man saying, throw your net out on the other side. Peter identified that it was Jesus. He jumped out of the boat, started swimming for the shore. And then as they started talking... Jesus asked him a question. Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, I do. He says, feed my sheep. He says, do you love me, Peter? He says, you know I do, Lord. He said, feed my lambs. 
And he asked him a third time. He says, Peter, do you love me? And the Bible says that it grieved Peter's heart because he asked him three times. But did you notice that he denied him three times? So Jesus allowed him to reverse the curse and said, hey, I'll allow you to confess your love for me three times. And he says, you know that I do, Lord. And he says, now feed my sheep. See, in that moment came the conversion. In that moment, the Jesus that he was sitting with and talking to, the Jesus that was asking him, do you love me, was not the same Jesus as before. Because the Jesus that was before was the Messiah, was the one that Peter recognized. He was the one that says, you are the son of the living God. But he just knew him as Messiah. He knew him as friend. He knew him as minister companion, the one that he cared about. But when push came to shove, all he knew him was for the man that was doing great things that he knew was the son of God. But this time he was the resurrected Jesus. This time, when he was talking to the Christ, he was the one that came to die for Peter's denial. And it was in that moment that Peter had a conversion from the old fisherman, the old man, the old nature, and found himself being born again, receiving Christ, the resurrected king in his life. Amen. So, what happened? See, for three and a half years, we see Peter walking with Jesus, but it came to a place where he denied him. But at this point in time, when Jesus said, now go feed my sheep, go do something, go spread my love, we see a whole different Peter. See, there was a time when Peter slipped back into liberal thinking and liberal living and just got sloppy in his relationship with God. See, he did the church thing. See, he showed up for the services and he heard the preaching. He knew Jesus, but he didn't have Jesus as Savior. So my question for you is, you're coming to church. You're here. You're hearing the messages. You're doing the Christian thing. But the question is, is have you truly received Christ? Now, I know you might know about him. You might say, I even love him. But do you know him? Because in knowing him allows you to take back what the enemy stole. Rather than having this mentality, give me, give me, give me. You'll find yourself in a different place of saying, I'm ready to take back what the devil stole. Because I know the resurrected Christ. Amen? So look at the difference of Peter. The Peter that was running with his tail between his legs. The Peter that says, I'll just go back to the old life. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that the church was getting wild and crazy and cranked up. And people were saying, what is this? And the Peter that was afraid and denied Jesus in the first place, he was the one that stood up and says, listen, hey, this which you now see and hear, this is what Jesus prophesied. This is that. And when he stood up, he says, now repent and receive Christ. And 3,000 were added to the church. See, a whole different man because he had met the resurrected Jesus. 
He was the same Peter that when he was walking down the road, he used to see Jesus doing all the miracles. But now he says, now you go and feed my sheep. And he came up to the gate beautiful and he saw this man that was lame begging for alms. And he looked at him, fastened his eyes on him and he said, silver and gold don't I have, but such as I have I give to you. Now get up and walk. I'm telling you, whole different new Peter. Amen? Why? Because he met the risen Christ. He had Christ come into his life. In Acts chapter 4, it was the same Peter that was arrested for preaching Jesus. But when he was released, the Bible says he went back to his brethren. He went back to his own company. He went to his church and he says, now let's pray, guys. And he led the prayer. Now he said this. He says, God, behold their threats. Stretch forth your hand to do signs and wonders and miracles. He says, let's show them the real God. And it says that he was so full of power that the place was shaken where they were assembled. A whole nother man, a different Peter, because he became born again. What's that word born again? It simply means that you received Christ and there was a new work that took place on the inside. So as you sit here this morning... I want to ask you, want you to ask yourself the question, are you just doing the church thing? Are you just acting like a Christian? Or have you genuinely come in contact? Have you met the risen Jesus? Have you invited him into your life? Because if you have, we'll become like Peter. You might have to remind yourself of that very thing. But upon reminding yourself, you're like, okay, it looks different. I'm not going to be a consumer anymore. In fact, I'm going to do what Jesus said, and that is to feed my sheep. What does it look like? See, rather than always taking, 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 or rather having the attitude of give me, give me, give me. We step out and take back the kingdom. How do you do that? By taking place and being a part of causing his church, his family to grow. Telling somebody about Jesus. When God prompts your heart and you see that person that's limping in the wheelchair and something on the inside stirs you just to go pray for them. You're thinking, dear God, what if it don't work? What if it does? What if you got that prompting on the inside and you just simply feel led to tell them about Jesus? Well, what if they think I'm a fanatic? Well, what if they experience eternal life for the first time? See, it's not about you. It's about Him. The moment that we start... Living this life as a follower of Christ. The consumer mentality has to go. And we'll start taking back what belongs to us. First of all, the family of God. Amen. I'm not content with just us four no more. I want to see this church thrive. And I want to see you have success. I want to see you having people sitting next to you and saying, I brought them. 
<laughs> I led them to Jesus. They're here. Come on. This is our year. We're taking it back. Amen? Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You know where you're at. You know whether or not this Christian life is just something that you've been surrounded by or you are a participator of. If you're here today and you're saying, I want to know that I know that I know that I belong to Him and He belongs to me. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I do love you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. It's just that simple. And then just begin to ask Him, God, what do you want me to do? And you'll sense a prompting and a leading. Let's make each day count. And taking it back. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray. And then we're just going to worship one last time as we go. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for every single person that's here. I thank you that we're not content of being satisfied. God, we're no longer going to sit back feeling sorry for ourselves. We're not going to sit back with a boo-hoo song. No, we're going to purpose to take it back. We're going to purpose, Lord, to take back our joy, take back our life, take back our family, take back our finances. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that we're changing our demeanor, our attitudes, our confidence, our conversations, our thoughts, Father, are changing. And we are becoming people that are bold. To walk in this divine nature and experiencing the promise of life and godliness. In Jesus' name, we all say. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.